unique ways with Thomas Gerard emerges with people from all walks of life who through their own unique angle succeed and flourish. Enjoy the ride and welcome to Unique Ways, an audio podcast. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard, an audio podcast. We've got an amazing guest today. He has 18 years of experience in leading teams to design and build compelling products that connect with customers. Reputation for combining curiosity, courage, and empathy to solve complex problems, and a seasoned practitioner, speaker, and mentor passionate about improving the world. Please join me in welcoming Gagan Diash. Welcome, Gagan. Hi, Thomas. Thank you for having me. It's funny, um, as you were giving my description, I almost felt like you were talking about someone else. Um, it's always funny to hear your own intro. Absolutely. Um, are you ready for 20 questions? I sure am. Okay. Question one. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? Uh, all right. Well, I'm a designer by trade. Um, I've spent most of my career uh, being really interested in the intersection uh, where business and technology meet and trying to figure out how design can help. Uh, design is a really broad word, but I really like the idea of um, going from something that is completely vague uh, to creating a well-crafted experience that meets um, the needs of a specific group of people. Um, from my last job, I was working as a VP of experience design and research for an online learning company called Thinkific. And uh, currently I'm on sabbatical and uh, I'm planning to take a year off basically. Great, um, just for our audience, um, Gagan and I actually don't know each other yet, um, but um, <laughs> I think uh, we've always kind of been in similar circles, at least it feels that way. Um, Number two, what's a key piece of knowledge that makes you different? What makes you different? Um, I, I don't know if I'm interested in being different. I, I want to be useful. Uh, I think what makes me useful is I think of uh, design, again, as a really broad word. I'm not really interested in type, color, or form. Uh, all of those are great, and that's a physical aspect of design. But I'm really wanting for us to focus on people. Um, not on technology and not on the end thing, but how we treat the people that we work with, how we treat people with the products we make, uh, how we take their feedback, how we make our products better. Uh, so I'm really interested in uh, both the making of the sausage and then uh, how people actually enjoy it. Um, they're both equally interesting to me. That's great. I was watching one of your earlier interviews on YouTube and um, you were talking about how you're not a creative, but you're a problem solver that uses the creative for problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just find, I, I think we get lost sometimes when we talk about creative people or creative processes, we really think about the physical aspects of it. Uh, and I think that's fair because it's uh, still a really new area of the business uh, to be in the digital realm. So I think it's important for us to like really define what digital design looks like um, and where its boundaries are and what it can actually be helpful in. Great. Um, question three, why this of all things? Why do you do what you do? <laughs> Um, well, I, if you have listened to some of my earlier talks, I, I think I was engineered to be a doctor. Uh, so I think I probably would have been an, a doctor or uh, I had, I have, I continue to have deep interest in architecture. I also find psychology really interesting. 
Um, I find the idea of us being so different and yet we somehow get along for the most part and uh, hopefully make each other happy. So how that works out, I think is really fascinating. Uh, so that's how I approached uh, UX as well. I, I think of it as a puzzle. Uh, think of how we can bring things together that look very different and how they can work together to make something meaningful. Perfect. Um, number four is what does your future look like? <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, usually I would talk about my current job and it's funny because I'm on sabbatical right now. So I'm really trying to figure out what a sabbatical means, uh, what it means to me. Uh, I jokingly tell people I'm going through a, a very prolonged midlife crisis. So I have upped and left Vancouver and I've moved to Toronto. So right now my future is very much in exploring this new city, trying mm -hmm. to make sense of it. Uh, if anyone's been to Toronto, it's very chaotic, but it's also just incredibly diverse and, and amazing in its diversity. Uh, so I, at the moment, I've just started to have conversations with people about what my future could look like in a professional setting. I'm still trying to figure that out. I used to uh, for the longest time, think that I was attracted to uh, mission, people, and money. But now, as I get really super old, I think I'm more interested in people, mission, and money in that order. I think it's incredibly important to surround yourself with smart, caring people. Uh, the rest follows. I think the mission and money follow, um, but it's really important to think about people first. So I'm really at the moment through the sabbatical, I've only had about six, seven months to be in it. For now, I've come to realize that the people I surround myself with is giantly important. So I, I hope to keep that focus for the future. That's great. And, you know, the word sabbatical, you know, I know that is a kind of formal academic term, but yours is more of a life sabbatical. Is that right? Yeah. Midlife uh, sabbatical. Yes, uh, pretty much. And I, I, was inspired by the academic sabbatical, but I have morphed that into taking a moment and just figuring out where I'm at, uh, taking stock of what I've done, what I haven't done, uh, mistakes I've made, mistakes I want to make. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's like yoga, you know, I'm trying to figure out where I need to stretch. Great. Um, number five is, I think, unique to this podcast. The question is, let's talk about location. How does the notion of place play into what you do? Oh, um, I, I, I'm sorry for whoever is listening who's from Vancouver. I, I, I'm going to say things that are probably going to be a little bit negative of Vancouver. I, I grew up in Vancouver. I spent my entire professional career in Vancouver. And I started to find the location of Vancouver really limiting. I felt uh, a little bit claustrophobic. I, I feel like when you live in Vancouver, you're making a choice to live a lifestyle. Um, and part of living a lifestyle is you enjoy the mountains and you enjoy nature, but you put your career and your job a little bit second. Like you don't lead conversations with work in Vancouver. Um, and that's something that I had started to feel a little bit, uh, it's a strong word, but I started to feel a bit resentful for that. So I, I had visited Toronto a few times and I just was so energized with the people I met here and how they were really focused on their work, uh, not in a greedy sense, but they were really excited about what they were doing. And I, uh, when we talk about location, I think where you live matters a lot, even though we are really connected as a, as a world. 
And so I want to try something new. I like, I want to be in Toronto, see how that changes my mind. I I haven't sold my place in Vancouver. I might come back and I'll listen to this podcast and, and say what the hell I hadn't lived through a winter in Toronto and I was being so um, blissfully unaware about it. But for right now, the location of being in Toronto and looking at that as a home place for me, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what that will do in the next little bit. That's great. Um, number six is if you had to start from the beginning, what advice would you give your former younger self? Um, hmm. I I came to Canada. I was still, I had just come out of my teens. So I was super young. I came as a new immigrant. I was blissfully unaware about racism. I just worked hard and I wouldn't change that part. Like ignorance was really blissful and it protected me. I, I assumed I was working on a level playing field, um, but I worked extra hard. And now I look back and I'm like, hmm, maybe that wasn't, the, the playing field wasn't quite as level. Um, so I, I don't think I would change that. What I think I would change kind of related to that, I was really fixated on being, if you know the term model minority, mm-hmm. where I was really wanting to be the perfect citizen and do the right thing and always do the right thing. And really, you know, uh, like I went to school and I would, I would, uh, I, I went to VFS and I would work super hard. People would go out drinking and I wouldn't go out and I would just study. And I don't think I would do that. Like, I think I should have rebelled a little bit more. I should have taken a few more risks. I should have probably refused to accept status quo. I should have spoken up a bit more. Um, and I probably uh, now looking back, I could have done more to help other new immigrants coming in. Cause I think I came in with a certain amount of privilege and a lot of people don't. So I, I don't think I did enough or have done enough. And if I was to start again, I think I would want to be more connected to um, the, the new people coming into Canada. Like, how is it that I am able to help them? Because I obviously would have some empathy about what they are about to go through. Perfect. Um, seven, what's a day in your life like? Um, very interesting question, given that it's a sabbatical and I really have no routine other than the one I create for myself. Um, I wake up super early in the morning only because my dog will not have it any other way. So I get up, take her for a walk, uh, have a coffee, figure out where the world is at in terms of uh, the news. Uh, try not focusing too much on the news right now. Um, and then I just have a plan of what part of Toronto I want to see. Uh, I try really hard to not use Google Maps and and just plunk myself, use transit, get somewhere and then figure out my way back home because I I don't have a visual map of Toronto as yet in my head. So I'm trying to sort of develop that. Um, Again, side note, it's incredibly diverse city and it has very defined neighborhoods. So you can kind of feel like when you end up in a part of Toronto, you can feel like you're in a whole other city mm-hmm. uh, for good or for bad. Like it just depends on what area you're in. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now, which is like exploring the physical aspects of Toronto, just trying to understand what it looks like, feels like, uh, because I am living in a rented place. I, I might want to live somewhere else and I'm trying to figure out what neighborhoods would be nice. Um, so yeah, just explore. Nice. Uh, eight, lifelong learning is a popular topic. How do you stay up to date? I stay curious. I use Instagram a lot. <laughs> I uh, 
I go down back alleys a lot. I use my camera a fair bit. I have been taking lots of photos. I talk to strangers a lot. Uh, again, very refreshing in Toronto that people actually want to talk a lot. Um, so I have very extended conversations with people about random subjects. Uh, reading, art, culture, really taking in. There's so much art and culture around here. A lot of free events as well. Um, and also exploring the city via food. Uh, there's so many interesting food experiences. Um, and I find that if I try and look for a hole in the wall restaurant, I'm inevitably caught up in a new experience as well, other than the food. Like just the fact, like I'm trying to get somewhere, find my way there. Um, so that keeps me young. <laughs> the idea of like getting lost and having to find my way back home. Mm-hmm. Um, nine, what tools do you use? It sounds like you're both digital and analog. Yeah, mostly analog at the moment. Uh, I uh, I don't, I kind of went through a bit of a burnout. Uh, I was working a lot as a lot of people were through the pandemic, but I didn't really have a life. Uh, so I'm trying not to use my laptop too, too much. I, obviously I'm addicted to my phone, but mostly notepads and diaries. Uh, I'm logging what my days look like, what I'm feeling about about where I'm at. Um, but I don't really think about tools as much as more. I'm trying to remain in my head more so, mm-hmm. uh, trying to unpack where I'm at and uh, head and heart. That's where I'm at. Great. Uh, halfway, number 10, how do you deal <laughs> with work-life balance? I have no balance right now. It's all life. <laughs> as a sabbatical, uh, I it is what I make of it. So. I'm slowly allowing myself to get back into talking with people. I've just signed up for ADP list, uh, which helps me find mentees uh, to work with. And I'm uh, having some really interesting chats, a lot of tears, actually, a lot of people who uh, are entering the design field and are really, really trepidatious about what they've signed up for. And because the economy is doing weird things, I think people can get really scared. So it's been really gratifying to help people see that we are just in a loop, like it, it, everything that goes up or down uh, goes in the reverse direction as well. So it's not, this is not forever. Um, so I, my work-life balance is zero in that it's mostly life, life, life. Um, but I am trying to get back into contributing to my work existence as well. That's inspiring for me to hear you focus so much on life. We have a lot of workaholics on the podcast. It's uh, <laughs> really good to feel the other side of it. Um, number 11, if you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? Uh, probably healthcare. I think, again, just going through the pandemic and seeing and being really grateful for science and, and the fact that uh, we are where we're at with the pandemic. I think if I could, I would probably follow in my in my um, grandfather and father's footsteps and do something in healthcare. I, yeah. I hope that we, I mean, just to plug, I, as I age as well, I really hope that Canada prioritizes healthcare. I think we have a system uh, that is failing around us and it's really scary. I think it's really scary to see how difficult it is to find a doctor or, or for people to access healthcare. And again, I, I speak acknowledging my privilege. Like I, I think if you, have, if you have a certain amount of money no matter whether you live in Canada or anywhere else, you have a little bit more access, but I feel really uh, crappy for the people who don't. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think healthcare or teaching. I've always I've always really enjoyed teaching. I think you and I actually connected when I I think I was at VFS still. Um, and I, I really enjoy, it sounds weird, but I enjoy how you have to learn to teach. Like you, you can't just teach. So you feel this incredible responsibility to stay current and, and, and keep up. So by teaching, it's actually quite selfish because you, you have to learn what you're teaching and, and there's a rigor that comes with that. That is really interesting. Absolutely. Um, 12, what would you not like to do in terms of a career? Uh, work for a soulless company, uh, work for a mission I can't get behind, work for assholes. Sorry, I'm sorry if that language is not allowed. Um, but just not work for people that I wouldn't want to hang out with. I, I don't have to be friends with people, but I do have to be able to empathize and relate with the people I work with. So I think it's important for me uh, now, especially is that I, I want to surround myself with people who are thinking about the same things that I'm thinking about or the things that I think are important, like the planet or um, what we're doing to it or or just our responsibility uh, as being here in 2022. 13, what's your favorite word, quote, or sentence? Mm, I've used this one so often, but I think it would be from The Alchemist, the book The Alchemist, and it's uh, if you want something enough, the world conspires to get it for you. Mm-hmm. I think the actual quote is, if you want something, the world conspires to get it for you, but I don't agree with that. I think you have to want something badly enough, and your responsibility is to be super clear on what you want and express that super clearly. Because I think if you don't do those two things, if you're not super clear and you don't express it clearly, then the world is a bit confused. So if you do the hard work, I think things fall into place as long as you don't take the foot off the pedal. It's not like, oh, I've done my part. I've expressed it clearly. Now I'm off. So if you do the work and, and you're done the self-work to figure out where you're at and why you want this thing, then the world does conspire to get it for you. It's a really good one. Um, number 14, do you have a least favorite word quarter sentence? Mm, that one's super easy. I, I absolutely hate it. It's uh it is what it is when people say that, you know, that phrase, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a sense of helplessness slash defeat that is so, so self-perpetuating. And I find that phrase so sad and and you've already given up. You haven't even gotten out of bed yet and you're like, it is what it is. I, I do think, like for example, uh, sorry if I'm gonna ramble right now, but Toronto, for example, is super chaotic when it comes to traffic. And I live in a neighborhood where there's tons of signs that say 30 kilometers an hour, and everybody drives faster, everybody even drives on sidewalks. So I'm the type of guy who will write a letter to the city to go, what the hell? Like, why are we not actually keeping people honest and keeping them to a speed limit? Like, why isn't there more being done? I don't think we can accept status quo. I think more more so now as we live in a crowded planet, I think it's more important for people to figure out how do we make life better for ourselves and everybody around us. So I don't think it is what it is. I think it is always, there's always something you can do to fix things. Uh, and I don't think we should stop trying. Perfect. 15, if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would you choose? Um, curious. I, I think that's both my strength and my weakness is curiosity. I, I'm really not good at following job descriptions. I I, I go where the smell, what, what I smell. So uh, curiosity is super important. I like to know, I like to know what, 
makes people take. I like to know what how things work. Uh, and um, so yeah, curiosity, curious. 16, what keeps you up at night? Mm, my curiosity. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I can over-research or over-know sometimes. I, I had mentioned that I, I start the day by reading the news and sometimes that can keep me up at night. Like when, I, when you go down a rabbit hole and you figure out where we are at in terms of global politics, you see what's happening in Brazil, for example. Um, it's kind of scary and I, I get I get caught up in that. I get caught up in the macro sometimes where I worry about the world's problems too much, which I, honestly, uh, if you were to be logical about it, that literally is the most useless thing to keep up for, right? Like there's nothing I can do about it at a global, global level. Um, so I, I would say that's why I think curiosity is also a weakness for me. It's, that keeps me up at night. Glad to hear you bring up Brazil. We've got Bruno Porto coming on later today and he'll talk about what's going on there. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Number 17, what's a dream you're chasing? Mm, I have had some pretty special work moments. Uh, I've had moments where I've been sitting around talking to someone and I've come to realize halfway through the conversation that I'm actually being paid to do what I'm doing. Uh, because the conversation has been so interesting or the work has been so interesting. So I, I'm really excited to get back into that. Um, I think I am not interested in a boring job. That sounds really cliche, but like I, I don't want to do a job that I know how to do already. I want to do something that freaks me out a little bit. So I, I think I enjoy work most when it's a bit unknown and I'm faking it to make it, you know, like I'm not a hundred percent sure how I'm gonna do it. And that's why I'm really attracted to research uh, because research to me is about unpacking the unknown and being like, letting your curiosity lead you to where you're gonna learn more. So I think for me, it would be about being in a workspace which is filled with unknown excitement uh, and looking at how we can make sense of where we are at and where are we going? Final stretch, number 18, what inspires you? Mm, diversity inspires me. Um, being around different types of people, I don't just mean uh, skin color and I don't mean culture. I, I mean diversity at the broadest sense of the word. So uh, just speaking with different people, I talked to an 80 year old yesterday in the dog park and we spent like hour and a half talking about her and how she, her relationship with Toronto and her work and all of that. And so I, I at the end of the day, I'm really inspired what, with what people can do. And I'm really inspired by how differently we do what we do and how different we all are and how interesting our small little tiny lives are. Um, I find us as humans incredibly fascinating. Perfect. 19, any advice you'd like to share? Mm, well, I think stay awake. I think that would be the biggest one. Like, like wake up and, and don't suffer fools. Uh, uh, like surround yourself with people who care deeply about the things that matter. Uh, surround yourself with smart people because you can never fail when you do that. It's just uh, obvious that you should surround yourself with people who are who are smarter than yourself. Uh, I think I read that quote as well, which is really good, which is aspire to be the dumbest person in the room, um, which is a great place to be. Because if you can let your ego 
aside and let it relax and 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 be okay with being uh, one who knows the least in a room, then how great is that? Because you going you can't help but leave that room having learned something. So uh, yeah, surround yourself with people who are smart, awake, conscious, and you shall succeed. And twenty, how can our listeners keep tabs on you? How should we um, connect with you? What's going to work for you? Uh, at the moment, there's only three things that I'm doing, which is LinkedIn, uh, only because it seems to be very noise-free in some ways. It, it's actually quite fascinating how it's taken over for Facebook for me. Uh, Instagram, uh, I-M-G-D-I-E-S-H, my last name. Uh, Instagram is very personal and uh, definitely no work stuff there. Uh, and then ADP list, if you are interested in having a conversation. I don't care about the mentor-mentee thing. Like, you can just have a conversation, right? And I'm I, not interested in being someone's mentor necessarily. I think it's more about having uh, interesting chats about work and seeing what we can learn from each other. So ADP list, and I'm on there as well. You should be able to find me. That's the beauty of having a difficult name. Uh, I'm fairly easy to find. Great. Well, thanks so much. Um, you know, awesome to hear about the sabbatical and about, especially about being in Toronto. You know, we're starting to get people from the East Coast on the show, but not Eastern Canada. And um, hearing about Toronto in this way is actually refreshing for me. So I'm super, super glad to have you on. Awesome. Thank you. And I will, uh, hopefully I can follow up with you after winter and let you know if my opinions are still valid or not. Perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. If you like today's podcast, I encourage you to have a listen to other episodes. You can easily find them at uniqueways.ca or wherever you find podcasts. You can also find us on social media. And thank you. It's you that makes these great, and it's you who these are for. Stay tuned for more Unique Ways. Mm-hmm.